what I began to talk about four weeks ago. Today, I'm going to round up on what I entitled Next Level Commitment. I want the next level commitment. Next level. <laughs> Today, we're going to look at the price of being circumspect. We've looked at the fact that we have to pay a price. I told you the price for salvation was paid by Christ. No man could pay that price. By grace are you saved through faith. It is not of your works. It is the gift of God. Jesus paid that price. Is that true? But in our text, the book of Luke chapter number 13, we're reading from verse number 24. Luke 13 verse 24. Strive to enter through the narrow gate for many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, the Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you. I want everyone to repeat that. I do not know you. I do not know you where you are from. Verse 26, then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you where you are from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. Repeat that with me, all you workers of iniquity. Verse 28, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and yourselves thrust out, they will come from the east and the west and from the north and the south and sit down in the kingdom of God. And indeed, there are last who will be first and there are first who will be last. The first day we looked at the price of intimacy. Everyone said the price of intimacy. Notice the Lord said to them, I do not know you. I truly believe that God is calling each of us to a new level of commitment. God is calling each of us to a level where we are intimate with him. And I talked about the things that we do on a daily basis to maintain our intimacy with the Lord. The Bible says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. There are things we do every single day. To keep our intimacy with the Lord intact. You don't marry a wife and leave her in another city. You live with her because the more you spend time with your spouse, the more intimate you get. A lot of people have a distant relationship with the Lord. And God does not want that. God wants us to come deeper and God wants us to go higher in our intimacy with him. And that is the reason why, if you notice... I talked about there is a price we pay to stay intimate with God. And some of the things that I mentioned are basic things that need to be done. And these basic things that need to be done on a daily basis are you've got to spend time with God every single day. Every day. You must. It is not a luxury. It is a necessity. Everybody here must cultivate intimacy with God by spending time with God daily. Come on now, say amen. amen. 
you go down on your knees and you spend quality time in prayer. And I talked about daily devotional where you open the word of God and you read the word of God because whenever you open God's word, it is God speaking to you. A lot of people say, I do not know the voice of God. Well, how can they know the voice of God when they don't have value for the Bible? The Bible is not a Christian literature. The Bible is the living word and the written word of God. Because when you read this written word, the living word will come alive in you. Come on now, say amen. Amen. Jesus himself said, search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they that testify of me. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was nothing made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And in verse number 14, the Bible says, And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness could not resist it. It says, verse 14 says, And the light or the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Can someone say amen? So when you spend time in the written word, the living word will come alive to you. A lot of times people don't have that because they despise the word of God. The Bible is not a nice book you put on a shelf and pull it out on a Sunday. You dust it and bring it to church. The Bible is the word of God. So every day you open it, you read it because every time you read it, God speaks to you. Come on now, somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then you come to church regularly. When I just gave my life to Christ, three things happened to me. These three things that happened to me naturally, of course they were supernatural, but they just happened naturally, if you know what I mean by that. When I gave my life to Christ, I wanted to read the Bible. There were days I read 15 chapters. There were times I just sat down and read nine chapters nonstop. There was a hunger to read the Word. There was a desire to read the word. That's one thing that happened to me. The next thing that happened to me, I wanted to tell people about Jesus. Because what God has done in you, God wants to do through you. Peter said to the man at the gate called beautiful, silver and gold I don't have, but such as I have I give unto you. There is something you have that the world is dying to get. And it's our responsibility to give it to them. So naturally, I just wanted to tell people it was burning in me. That was this burning supernatural, of course. But it it was just a natural thing that I did. Every Listen, I was setting up schedules to go out on the street to preach the gospel. As a 15-year-old boy. I was 15 at the time. I gave my life to Christ when I was about to turn 15. I was 14. I was was about to turn 15 when I gave my life to Jesus. So as a 15-year-old boy, I was out on the streets reaching people with the gospel. It just happened because Jesus Christ came into my life. And this river that was put in me began to flow. Come on now, say amen. Amen. So I wanted to preach the gospel. I wanted to spend time in the word. And number three, I wanted to go to church. Going to church was not a drag. Going to church was exciting. Come on now, say amen. amen. Because... It is good to be in the presence of God's people. I was glad David said, let us, when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Some people dread Sundays. Afraid to come to church. The house of God and the people of God is the best place to be. Come on now, say amen. Amen. 
Come on now, say amen. amen. The Bible says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together. How? 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 In unity. The Bible says there, the place of unity where the brethren come together is a place where God, it says God has commended blessing there. And then the, the next uh, part number two, I talked about the price of living orderly. Notice Jesus said to them, ye workers of what? Iniquity. And I defined iniquity as gross immorality, injustice, wickedness. These things should not be heard in the church. The church of Jesus Christ is a holy church. Jesus Christ is coming back for a church without spot or blemish. Come on, I'm preaching, say amen. amen. The church is a pure church. The church is a righteous church. And the pulpit is not a place for motivational speaking. The pulpit is a place where you preach the holy, living, written word of God. And when people hear God's word, like it happened in the book of Acts, it will cut through their hearts. Amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. There are days you come to church and you have to think deeply about your life, how you live. Because of the message that comes from the pulpit. We don't live in the, I'm telling we live in a day where people just want to heap up for themselves teachers that will tell them what they want to hear. The pulpit is not a place where you tell people what they want to hear. The pulpit is a place where you tell people what they need to hear. Amen. You shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. Yeah. Come on now, say amen. amen. So the place of God's people is a place of righteousness. Amen. The Bible says he shall lead you in righteousness. In the path of righteousness. Amen. He does not lead you in the path of unholiness. He does not lead you on the path of unrighteousness. He leads you in the path of holiness. He leads you on the path of righteousness. And I talked about how people refer to Paul. No, people think about it. Paul was the apostle of grace. Apostle of what? And when you listen to hyper grace teachers these days, they don't want to mention sin. Because you think, they think if you mention sin, people will not come to church. Paul was a preacher of grace and Paul talked about sin a lot. He did. Shall we continue in sin? That grace may abound. Who do you think wrote that? Paul did. He said, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live therein any longer? Are you listening to me? So Paul, the, the apostle of grace, mentioned sin in his epistles a lot. And we saw some of the things that Paul talked about. He said, don't, don't mingle with those people. Don't do what they do because God's judgment or God's wrath is coming on the children of disobedience because of the things that they do. And what does that mean? Well, if he says don't mingle with them and don't do what they do, it's because if God is going to judge those that do these things, God's also not going to spare you. Why? Because God is a God of justice. God is just. Come on now, say it with me. God is just. So God's justice requires that if he would punish this guy for all the sexual sin, he's not going to spare the other. So Paul said not to do what they do. In actual fact, the Bible says to us, come out from amongst them and be different. And God says, I will receive you. You shall be sons and daughters to me and I will be a father unto you. Amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. 
So if God is telling us to come out of the system of the world, you are in the world, but you are not of the world. In other words, we live in the world, but we don't do what the ungodly do. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses his taste, the salt becomes useless. Jesus said that. We are not going to lose our taste. We are not going to lose our light. We shall shine brighter. Come on now, somebody shout amen. Amen. Arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of God has risen upon you. Darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness shall cover the people. But you, a child of God, you, the church, upon you as the light of God arisen. And we are going to shine in this day and in this time. We shall not do what they do. We shall live differently. Those of you in university, you shall live differently. You will shine in university. Your course mates are going to look at you and they will desire to know Christ. You that is in business, you shall live like God wants you to live. You shall do business in righteousness and in holiness. No kickbacks, no bribes. Come on now, say amen. Amen. No swindling to make extra money. Come on now, preaching good, say amen. amen. And when you do right, God will do right to you. When you live right, God will bless you. Say to the righteous, it shall be well with them. If you're righteous, God will bless you and it will be well with you. It will be well with your family. It will be well with your children. The Bible says a good man will leave an inheritance unto his children's children. And that's what we need to do. I believe that the greatest inheritance you can leave to your children and your children's children is spiritual inheritance. The life of holiness, the life of righteousness, the life of the fear of God. That that is what you pass on to your children. I believe you pass on wealth and prosperity. But what is money if they are hooked on drugs? What is money if they are running around living promiscuous lives? What is money if they are doing all kinds of terrible evil things? And to the point where they become bound to the works of darkness and they are not free. Unfortunately, people cross the line of no return. Because of the way they live. It is time to preach holiness in the church. It is time to preach holiness in the house of God. It is time to tell God's people who live in the last seconds of the last days. The coming of Jesus is at the door. The rapture is the next big event on God's prophetic timeline. And God is coming back for a church that is clean. A church that is pure. A church that is living holy lives. church that is washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Can someone shout hallelujah? hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm preaching better than you're responding today. There is a price to live uh, orderly. There's a price to walk in righteousness. That we don't mingle with with the same people that we used to mingle with. We come out from them. We come out from that. And that is not to say we're not going to talk to them ever. No, we talk to them. Jesus hung out with sinners. Jesus hung out with wine beavers. Jesus hung out with tax collectors. But he did not do what they did. He was different. Why did he go to them? He went to them that he might bring them good news. He went to them that he might convict them. Why do we go to the people we go to? We go to them because we want to bring to them the light of God that is on the inside of us. And they will criticize you. Yes, I know. But I'm telling you, when it is all said and done, you are going to shine in glory. You will shine in glory. Can someone shout hallelujah? hallelujah? There is a price to pay. Tell your neighbor there is a price to pay. A price to pay. People are paying the terrible price of living for the devil and the flaunt sin all over the world. Today, you see what is happening all over the nations of the world, especially in the West. 
where people want to parade on the streets and, and, and show off everything in the name of liberty. And then the world, wants, the world wants the church to shut up and go sit in your little corner. But let the, let the, the, the servants of the devil parade around the streets and, and, and show everything to our children. And if you speak, they say, no, you don't have the right to speak. Everyone has got the freedom to do whatever they want. But we don't have the freedom to say what we want to say. If everyone has got freedom, then let us speak too. Come on now, say amen. amen. That's why it has come to in the world today. But the church will shine. Amen. I said the body of Christ will shine. Amen. And we shall be bold. Amen. We shall not be quiet. Amen. We shall tell the truth. Amen. We shall preach the gospel. Amen. Sinners will hear. Amen. They will come to the saving knowledge of Christ. Amen. Can someone shout hallelujah? hallelujah. And then last week we looked at the price of laying aside every weight. There are things that Way down on believers. God wants you to run your race and to finish well. Paul said, I've run my race. I've kept the faith. I have finished the course. Listen to how he said, I've ran my race. God wants you to run your race. Amen. I have finished. I've kept the faith. God wants you to run and run well. Amen. All those things that are weighing heavily on you, it's time to get rid of them. Amen. Let the fire of God come upon you and burn them out of your life. God does not want you running with an extra kg. God wants you running free. Amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. And God wants you to run well and finish well. Amen. I say God wants you to run well and finish well. Amen. And I want to say this. Some people, unfortunately, don't finish well. But God wants you to finish well. Amen. Some people have been tripped. Some people are falling into all kinds of things because of the things that has happened to them. But it's time for you to get rid of every weight the enemy has placed upon you. And it's time for you to run your race. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, to run your race with patience. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. It's time to run your race with patience. It is time to run your race with endurance. Endurance. Think about people that run the marathon. They have endurance. Those of you from Kenya understand what I'm talking about. They have endurance. People give up after running 100 meters. Is that true? Yes. But these guys run. It's a marathon. The Christian life is, I tell you, it's even more than a marathon. It's a cross country. That's the Christian life. And each of us will run our race individually. Yes, we get support from other members of the body of Christ. But each of us will run our race. Because, listen, when it's all said and done, I'm not going to give account for you, I'm going to give account for me. Yes. If you understand what I mean, but I'm talking about individually, each of us will give account for our own lives. Yeah. And there is a race that is set before you. You've got to run this race with patience. You've got to run this race with endurance. Do not let the enemy heap you up with stuff that will weigh you down and slow you down. Amen. Get rid of all those things. 
Get rid of the pain. Get rid of the offense. Get rid of the anger. Get rid of the complaint. Get rid of the hurt. Get rid of them by the fire of God. Get rid of those things. They may not necessarily be sin, but they are heavy and they are weighing heavily upon your life and you cannot accomplish the purpose of God and you are not running like God wants you to run and your life is opened up to the works of darkness because of the things that, have, that you've allowed to come upon you. And I've said it also, some of the things that people suffer are not the things they did. They are things that were done to them. The abuse of 15 years ago, it was done to them. They did not do it. They were innocent. But someone came and did something to them. And it messed them up. That is why the Bible talks about renewing your mind. Romans chapter 8, chapter 12, I'm sorry. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Do not conform to this world, but be ye transformed, verse 2, by the renewing of your mind. Come on now, say amen. amen. That you may be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God does not want you burdened down by anything. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request known unto God. And the peace of God shall protect your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Come on now, somebody shout praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Get all the weights down. Put them away. Amen. Put them away. And some of the weights that people carry right now will literally stop them from being raptured. And you've heard me say, nobody, there is not one person that can stop me from making heaven. Amen. Not one person. I don't care who the person is. I'm resolute. I've made up my mind. Heaven is my destination. I'm going to heaven. This world is not my home. I'm a pilgrim. I'm a stranger. I'm passing through. Not one person. Oh, Pastor God, but you don't know what they did. Whatever they did. It's not greater than what Jesus did. Amen. What is it that has been done to stop you? Don't let it. I said, don't let it. Amen. So when the Bible says, walk out your salvation with fear and trembling, you have to notice it does not say God will walk it out. You walk it out. You are the one to work out your salvation with fear, the fear of God and with trembling. You have to work it out. You've got to work it out. You've got to work it out. Come on now, somebody shout amen. amen. Go with me to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. Give me some more time here. Ephesians 5. Look at verse number 15. Very important. The price of being circumspect. The word circumspect means watchful, discreet. And cautious. Look at 5.15. Ephesians 5.15. See then that you walk circumspectly. Not as fools. But as wise. Look up at me. God does not want us to live like fools. God wants us to live like the wise. We are the wise. The Bible talks about the five wise virgins and the five foolish virgins. God does not want us to live like the five foolish virgins. He wants us to live like the five wise virgins. Come on, say amen. amen. And if you're going to make it in these last days, you have to decide 
in your heart of hearts that you will walk carefully. The word circumspect means to be careful. It means to be discreet. It means to be cautious. If I had a glass of water with me in my hands right now, look up at me. Some of you must have done this. It has happened to me many times. You know, I'm at the table, I'm about to eat, and I go get myself a glass of water. Maybe what I had in my cup ran out, and I just won't go, go to the fountain or wherever in the kitchen, get myself a glass of water. And then when I fill it up, suddenly it gets to the brim and it's about to spill. How many of you have ever had that happen? This happened. Right? And then you do this. This is what it means to be circumspect. This is actually what it means. Why are you circumspect? Because you don't want the water to spill on the carpet. So you carefully and you gently and you discreetly and you cautiously put it on the table. It's like telling your five-year-old kid, which you shouldn't do, by the way. Don't do it. But you know what I mean. Get me a cup of hot tea. Don't do that. And so, and here, here, here she comes. It's hot. So the child is careful. Child is cautious. When the Bible says to walk circumspectly, not as fools but as wise, this is what it means. There is a price to do this. And this is a daily practice. You can't say I walked carefully last month. No, last month careful walking is not carrying, it's not going to carry you today. It's a, daily, it's a daily practice of walking circumspectly, carefully in this life. The, the Bible says narrow is the way that leads to life, but broad is the way that leads to death. The Bible says in Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seemeth right unto men. The end of it is what? It's destruction or death. You want to make sure that on daily basis, you are carefully living your life to the glory of God. You are walking carefully and serving God in spirit and in truth. The next place I want us to read, listen, this is important. 2 Timothy, look at this, 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. So in this next place we're going to read, <coughs> Paul, the apostle, uses three top-notch, disciplined, focused uh, professionals. Three top-notch, focused professionals. He uses these three profession in relaying a message to us he uses a soldier i want to say a soldier he uses an athlete i want to say an athlete and he uses a farmer now anyone that is involved in any of these three professions is not just disciplined but they are extremely focused have you seen second timothy look at chapter two let's read from verse number four second timothy chapter two from verse 4, no one engaged in a warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as what? As what? As a soldier. What an amazing picture Paul is painting before us. Of course, by the Holy Spirit. 
Soldiers in a war are always on high alert. They can't afford to let their guard down. In actual fact, soldiers that are in a war do not meddle with petty things. They have more serious matters on their plate. And what the devil likes to do is to get believers to meddle into petty stuff. Things that don't truly matter. And those petty things becomes a problem. It is a strategy of the enemy to distract people. The devil has been in this business of distracting the church Christians for a very long time. In actual fact, it started in the Garden of Eden. As God said, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden. No, God did not say we shouldn't eat of any of the trees in the garden. In actual fact, he said we shouldn't eat of the tree in the middle of the garden, the one, the, the one in the midst. In other words, Satan himself did not even know the tree. As God said, you shouldn't eat of any of the trees. You see, the devil is trying to get them to expose the tree to him because he was not there when God spoke to Adam. Because listen to me, the devil does not know everything. Enough of you giving the devil glory. Enough of that. The devil does not know everything. The devil does not know what God told you in secret. It is when you begin to talk about it. That's when he hears it. As God said, you shouldn't eat of any of the trees in the garden. No, no, God didn't say we shouldn't eat of all the trees. He said we shouldn't eat of the one in the midst of the garden. Satan, that's the one God said we shouldn't eat of. Okay, that's the one. You see, God knows the day you eat of it, you shall be like God. Knowing between good and evil. But God already told them, you are free to eat of all the trees, correct? Yeah. Don't eat this one. The devil says, don't look at those ones, look at this one. That is the strategy of the devil. He does the same thing to believers today. He wants to distract people. Get their eyes off of what truly matters. And get their eyes to things that are petty. Because this is the only way he can get you. Peter was sitting in the boat when Jesus came walking on the water. And Peter looked at him and said, Lord, is it you? Jesus said, yes, it is I. Peter said, if it is you, then bid me to come to you on the waters. Jesus said, come. Peter steps out of the boat. The man is now walking on the water in a supernatural fashion. But while he was walking on the water, his eyes were fixed on the Lord. And what happened? He took his eyes away from the master. We are not here to look at people. We are here to look at Jesus. Amen. If you don't learn this today, you will be offended tomorrow. Because you keep looking at people. What he said, what she said, what they said don't mean more than what Jesus said. Amen. And so the enemy will try to get you to listen to what everyone else is saying, not what Jesus is saying. My question to you is what is Jesus saying? Amen. Jesus is saying to you to leave the church? Jesus is saying to you to live the way you live? If the way you live is not to the glory of God? No, we look unto Jesus, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. Amen. If you don't learn this today, I'm telling you, my friends, the enemy will eat you for breakfast. So Peter is looking at the winds and the waves, and he takes his eyes away from the one he should be looking at. 
And he began to sink. And then he cried out, Lord, help me. And Jesus reached out to him and pulled him out. What did Jesus say to him? Why did you doubt? What is doubt? What is doubt? Yeah, we say doubt is unbelief, right? But what is doubt? Really, if you look at the context, look at the story. He's looking on the master. He's looking on the Lord. And he's walking on the water supernaturally. Because his eyes were fixed on the Lord. The moment he took his eyes away, he began to sink. What is doubt? Doubt is when you take your eyes away from Jesus. Doubt is when you begin to look at other things. Doubt is when you begin to listen to other matters. Listen, nobody determines your life. Only Jesus determines your life. I don't care what other people say. I don't care what other people do. What I care about is what he says and what he does. And if he is okay with me, I'm fine. Everyone may not like me, but he likes me. Come on now, I'm preaching good. Say amen. Amen. We've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Because the devil's strategy is to distract you so that you don't walk carefully. And now you're walking carelessly. You think you are part of those that are walking on 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 the broad way. No, narrow is the way. So for you to walk in the narrow path and stay on the narrow path till the rapture, you've got to be circumspect. You've got to be careful. You hear this? I don't care. They say this? I don't care. People are trying to pull you left, right, and center. You are not going to be moved. You're going to be right in the narrow path. Because when it is all said and done, guess who who you're going to meet on the other side? The day comes when the rapture takes place. Or if the rapture tarries the sound, you're going to breathe out your last. Guess who you're going to meet on the other side? You're going to be the one who died for you. You're going to meet the one who came to he- from heaven to earth and <laughs> laid down his life and, and shed his blood for you. Amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. You're not going to meet me there. I'm not the one to welcome you. I'm not the one. I will be in heaven, but I'm saying this to tell you, I am not the one to welcome you to heaven. Amen. I want to be welcomed myself. Amen. Come on now, say amen. Amen. So it's time to walk carefully. So listen, this is so important. A soldier is not one who meddles with petty stuff. When bullets are flying all over the place. So that's what the enemy is trying to get people to do. Just get involved in all the stuff that do not really matter. Are you listening to me? You know the punch? They say in boxing, the punch that knocks you out is the punch you don't see coming. That's what they say. I I follow boxing. They say that's the punch that knocks you out. The one you don't see coming. Before you know it, you're gone. You're on the floor. You're seeing stars. That's what the devil still does today. Look at verse number five. Verse number five. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Everyone say, according to the rules. So Paul also uses an athlete. This is a guy who competes according to the rules. In football, soccer, There are rules. And I played some of that. 
And one of the things that I know about soccer is, or football, is every, literally almost every, sometimes they go twice a day to the training pitch. You know what they do? Listen to me. Watch this now. These professional players that make all this money, some of them are paid $150,000 weekly. You know, some of them $200,000 weekly. Some of them get, you know, $50 million five-year contract. You know what they do? They go to the football pitch. These are top-notch players. What they do is pass the ball. Pass the ball. Pass the ball. You pass the ball to your friend, he passes the ball. But just pass. Just pass the ball. Pass the ball. These are, these are basic things they do. They don't ever forget the basics. Never. Because your ability to pass the ball accurately will show off when the big game comes. The big games and winning the big games is determined by your ability to do the basics. The church must not leave the basics. The reason why many people are in the position they are in today is because they are forgotten the basics. Go to church regularly is one of the basics in Christianity. Do not neglect or forsake the gathering together of yourselves, especially as we come to the end of the day, of the, of the year, or of the season that we are in, of this era. Don't neglect. That's one of the basics we have. And so the enemy is busy shooting all kinds of darts, fiery darts against Christians. And many are losing it because they have forgotten the basics. Daily devotional, spending time in the word, prayer, going out and, and reaching the lost. When you are about your father's business, all this stuff will not bother you. These are basic stuff. Can someone shout amen? amen? So an athlete, somebody who, I mean, if you think about these basketball players, you know, the guys, they're just throwing the ball, throwing the ball. How many times? 1,000. Just stands there throwing the ball, throwing the ball. 1,000 times. Oh, I'm tired. Just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Because the more you do it, the better you get at it. Can someone shout amen? amen? Look at verse 6 and I'll finish with this. The hardworking farmer must be the first to partake of the crops. He, the hardworking farmer, is the first. A farmer plows, he plans, and he waits patiently for the harvest to come. James 5, 7 says, So be patient, brethren, as you wait till the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits expectantly for the precious harvest from the land. See how he keeps up his patient vigil over it until it receives the early and the late rains. Can someone say amen? amen. Hard working. Farmers are very hardworking. Praise God. So Paul uses these three professionals to say to the church, walk carefully. Keep your eyes on the goal. Keep your eyes on the price. Don't be distracted. Tell your neighbor, don't be distracted. Don't be distracted. 